Recording live from the Hoban Law Group here in Denver, Colorado, I'm your host, Eric Singular. Welcome to the Hoban Minute. Today, Bob Hoban and myself are having a conversation about the culinary characteristics of cannabis, and we are joined by chef, culinary anthropologist, and cannabis cuisine expert, Shadi Ramey. Shadi, thank you so much for being here with us this evening. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we, we couldn't be more excited, and this is a topic we really haven't gotten to explore on the Hoban Minutes so far. And We know that you just recently released a cookbook, um, which we will talk more about in a moment. But before we get there and before we really dive into this uh, culinary and gastronomical conversation about cannabis, let's talk a little bit about you and your journey and how you got uh, to where you are today as a cannabis cuisine expert. Uh, give us a sense of, of your of your background and story. Um, thank you so much. And I, 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 I don't know that I'm an expert. I'm just a really big nerd. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I grew up in like a pretty kind of conservative um, outside Washington, D.C. Um, my family was like first generation. I'm first generation Persian and I um, started, I had a connection with cannabis in my late teens and I started going to Grateful Dead shows. And yeah, that was my, when I first connected with cannabis and had like a really big um, impact on my lifestyle and my ethos and um, kind of becoming a revolutionary at that point in my life. And, and um, I, yeah, so that's how I connected with cannabis. And then in, I went to um, graduate school for anthropology and cultural anthropology. And I studied ecotourism in Nepal because there was like a new concept, something called sustainable development. So I studied that, and I was a professor of anthropology and world cultural geography in the early 2000s, and then I got really interested in just cooking. I started cooking a lot more. I grew up in a home where, I mean, it was super laborious Persian food that would take hours, and so already had, like, a pretty deep food culture in terms of, like, food that was, like, always intuitive and always slow and organic. That was, you know, pretty much, like, growing up, I would say, my experience, and then um, yeah, and then I, you know, I had a product line before when I moved to Boulder in 2006, and I started this company called Organolicious, and I started making vegan food, and, you know, did that, had that experience, and then, like, got it to Whole Foods and Vitamin Cottage and different places like that, and then I sold that company in 2013, and then in 2014, there was a ballot initiative in Colorado to label GMOs, and I got really involved in that campaign, and, um, body care products hit my radar where they hadn't really been on my radar before. I was like super interested in like local foods, organic, non-GMO, all of this. And then, um, and then, yeah, I, then I wanted to create a body cream that we could eat, that was good enough to eat and that was vegan. So I started kind of playing with that. And then in the fall of 2014, my partner and I wanted to uh, get into the cannabis space and we wanted to start a dispensary. And even then it was like still like, you know, upwards of a quarter million, uh, I'm sorry, three quarter million dollars. And it really wasn't like accessible to us um, with funding at that time. And so a friend of mine was like, hey, someone's making a hemp coffee. And I was like, what? What is that? 
I didn't even know what that was. And so we went to this farm and we're like, that's the worst garden we've ever seen. And we're like, we're going to start a hemp farm. And then that's what we did in 2015. We got a, my first hemp license, 2015. And I had a one acre property 12 miles north of Boulder and started growing hemp and doing, um, yeah, growing hemp on this one third of an acre. And that's, that's how I kind of started in the industry. And then um, a girlfriend of mine um, who had been Jared Polis' chef, Jared Polis was our congressman then. She was like, hey, Jared Polis has this event and it's like hemp related. And I thought you would, would be involved. And so I had the opportunity to do that. And then um, kind of my, my cream company took off. And that's, that's how I started. And that's kind of what I've been working on the last you know, five years. Well, it, it's, it's no, uh, no shortage of interesting things that you've just uh, laid out there that I, I want to dive into some of those things. Now talk about your, your interest in, in the culinary side of the, uh, the industry. And I do have to ask you, you and I met, uh, at the Rocky mountain PBS studios, uh, maybe two or three years ago. And, and, and we've been in touch uh, a lot since then. And I love to follow what you're up to. And we're going to get into your cookbook and some of these other things. But in those Grateful Dead parking lots, did I ever buy yummy, yummy grilled cheese or, or any kind of burritos from you? <laughs> no, you didn't. Because the first time I was going to do that was like after Jerry died at a further show and it was spinach pie. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget. I had some some brilliant buddies who said, we, we are going to, we're going to make sausage sausages that are in pitas with uh, with this uh, Greek sauce on top of it. So they make yeah. this big vat of this Greek sauce and they cook all the sausages and they, they put them in this other container and keep those in a cooler. And we're sitting out in the parking lot. This is at the Meadowlands, probably oh. 1991 or 1992. And, what? and sell, selling selling those uh those those at that in that parking lot and the sauce this big vat of sauce was out in the hot sun all afternoon and people they just kept piling it on top of them but uh in any event people seem to love it people seem to love it but talk about cultural uh culinary anthropology uh because when we talk about the notion and, and you touched on it a little bit uh you know what is it that 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 uh, traditional food in different cultures tells us, let alone what does the uses of hemp foods and hemp or cannabis ingredients, what does that tell us uh, over time? And, and how do you like to interpret that stuff? Wow, this is big. I'm going to do my best to address those um, different pieces. But I mean, as, for, as a, my background was in cultural anthropology, and then the culinary anthropology really just started where I I had been to these different places on earth and had connected with their food culture. And then I was like coming back to Boulder and then like doing these immersive experiences or creating these farm events around these, these different places um, and using locally, locally produced and globally inspired that like kind of became my thing. And, and then over the years, it's just really evolved. I mean, to me, I mean, cult food is one of the most, beautiful deep aspects of, of culture and that makes us so different and that also is something so beautiful for us to connect over and there's so much possible like peace maybe when you're when you're sharing food with people it's really it can be like a spiritual experience and super peaceful and loving and so I'm super into that and then with the cannabis it was in before 2015 my honestly I was like I would definitely think of like hemp 
hats, like, with my friends who, like, wore cappies, like, on their dreads, and then, like, hacky sack, and, like, then I knew of, like, some hemp seeds, but I didn't really know that much about hemp food, and it wasn't until 2015 when I, like, grew that, that whole season where I got to be around the plant, and I hadn't been, I hadn't lived in a place where anybody that I lived with grew cannabis. We have just, like, visit friends back in the day was, like, a really big deal, and some of them were, like, kind of jerks, and you know, growers. And so having this opportunity was super, had a profound effect on um, my connection with cannabis, number one, but then also like diving deep into all the different things that I could do with my plants and how we could consume them and how we, they can increase our vitality and, and how we could really nourish ourselves and ha- have high vibe nutrition. And those concepts, even like being a part of like my, my thought process really wasn't until then. And so the, the, the cool thing about the cookbook in, in one part is that there are different recipes for different places that like have a cannabis culture, like have a connection to cannabis and hemp. I mean, hemp was always paleo. Hemp was, I mean, I believe that we co-evolved with cannabis, or what we did so much so that we have an endocannabinoid system. Right. And so kind of exploring these different places on earth where, you know, like in Japan, they're, they've been had like hemp history since like the samurai, but it's still super, super illegal in Japan to have cannabis. Um, but it's like a part of this really special um, shikimi togarishi spice, which is like a really old spice blend in Japan. So there's lots of like cultural anthropological kind of sprinkles throughout the cookbook because that's, that's really who I am. And that was my approach to it. And, and you bring in some of, of you know your background and some of the the, the Middle Eastern or the, the Persian delights into uh, into that cookbook. <laughs> to talk a little bit about just some of your favorite recipes that are in there and and how you've featured uh, the use of cannabis uh, in there. And and you know maybe before you do, let me let me tell you, I was uh, I, I've I've had several cannabis meals or cannabis prepared meals over the years. One of my favorite pieces uh, of 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 a culinary delight from that uh, context was these giant fan leaves from the plants that were breaded and deep fried. And of course you can deep fry just about anything, Um, but they were chewy. They were sweet. There was a great sauce on the top. You know, that is talk, talk about just going right at it. You know, not, not infusing it, not, not using a little bit of it, not using the seeds, but going right at it. But that was always an interesting thing. Tell us a little bit about some of the, your favorite recipes in this book. Um, well, I think my, one of my favorites, it is very hard to choose. Um, I, I think they're, they're all really good. They all made the final cut and lots of things didn't that I wanted to be in the book and there's over 60 recipes, but I really, really, one of the things I'm, one of the recipes I'm really happy to share is just these different juices, like a, a hemp nettle purslane juice. And people don't even, people think purslane is a weed, just like weed. And it's, so amazing and good for you and high in essential fatty acids and so it's like super essential fatty acid drinks by juicing cannabis and pairing it with these other plants um there is a persian persian people love stews they're basically stew it's called khoresh there's like hundreds of varieties sweet savory uh, most of them um, a lot of them have meat and so there was one an okra one khoresh de bamiyeh and i redid that vegan with hemp and that's just like it's just delicious and I don't think you would really expect to eat the hemp like that um I'm really into mushrooms so there's like a hemp mushroom chili 
uh, that's super delicious and that um, paired really nicely with like a um, the temp corn cornbread muffins. Um, there's like a delicious hummus in there with like toasted hemp seeds and cumin seeds and serrano pepper. So, and then there's like a whole chapter on baking because I'm a I'm a vegan baker and so there's lots of I, I believe super delicious stuff in there. So that's kind of the vibe of the book. There's a whole chapter on spice blend. There's a chapter on like high vibe drinks. Um, yeah, like another one that I'm really happy to share is uh, Manikura Chakra smoothie. So kind of getting into Ayurveda a little bit, which is part of my, my background um, for herbs and nutrition. And so, yeah, it's super nerdy and it's really fun and eclectic and diverse. Oh, we absolutely love it. And all of those sound very delicious, especially as you kind of roll into this time of the evening. It's uh, it's definitely <laughs> doing its magic over here. We, we got to do this in person <laughs> next time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, beyond just the recipes that are in this book, I want to talk a little bit about the book itself as a force uh, for good. It's printed, of course, on hemp paper. And I want to talk a little bit about this idea of carbon neutral. Uh, give us a sense of, of what that means for a book to be carbon neutral, because it's, it's, I haven't seen that before, and I just thought that was really cool, especially uh, with uh, you know sustainability and uh, a focus on environmentalism in mind. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, I have to say, uh, being in the cannabis industry, I mean, I'm, I feel like one of the things that bothers me the most is people misusing and abusing the term sustainability. So that is my background. And I, I didn't start out with that in mind with the cookbook. The cookbook at first was honestly like an homage, I think, to my ego. And I think when a lot of chefs want to write a cookbook, there is a lot of ego involved. And, and that's okay. That's beautiful. And so what I had to envision was like this beautiful, big, bougie book with like these amazing, my Instagram photos and just like super, that's what I wanted. And as the journey was evolving and it came time to really think about printing, uh, then I learned that the publishing industry is one of the top five toxic industries on planet Earth. And so it's kind of like what someone said about fracking before, like once you know, you can't not know. And so I knew that. And then I was armed um, and empowered um, and um, with, that, with that information. So then I reached out to people that I knew that are in the hemp industry and, and they print stuff too. And they were like, no, you should, you should totally should not print it on hemp paper. You should go print it on recycled paper. And that was like, what? That's like, that's like such a lost opportunity. And so I really felt like then I had to then bring the book to life on hemp because it was the right thing to do. And that's how we show, how we show leadership. And that's how change happens when as businesses and citizens and consumers, we, we, we start to demand that we start to demand these things um, in, in how we operate in the world. And so that's, that's kind of how that happened. And then the carbon carbon finance is something I've been working on for a few years, like with my B Corp skincare company. And um, yeah. And so what we've done is basically the entire book project is carbon neutral. So it is the first book that's carbon neutral. Also the entire book tour is carbon neutral. And so in order for that, to, to really have value is where we basically create, we basically track and create this, you know, thorough picture of how much carbon we're creating at every step of the process with the printing, 
the shipping, all those different things I just mentioned. And then that basically gets across that it really is to the planet in tons, T-O-N-N-E-S. And so this is the output of what, what we, the carbon that we created in the project, right? And then in order to offset that and to go neutral, then what we've done is partnered up with this organization called CoolEffect.org. CoolEffect, and, and the project that I chose is like really near and dear to my heart. So the, the way we're offsetting the carbon for the book is, or that I am, which, um, is in order to do the offset, we're purchasing cook stoves in Uganda that are non-toxic. And those non-toxic cook stoves are replacing toxic kerosene cook stoves. So we're, we're helping sequester carbon, A, by limiting the kerosene and taking kerosene out of the atmosphere and then also replacing it with something that doesn't create that same pollution. And so that's how we're offsetting that is by supporting that program. And, and lastly, I would mention on that note that it's also really important to me because that, these are like kind of reasons I went into anthropology was because I was really really cared about the underdog and I was really interested in like indigenous people and third world people and, and access and equity and, and all these things. And so that's why I'm glad to be supporting a product that supports women and that um, is in Africa and for cooking, for cooking. No, that's, that's, that's fantastic. And you know, your, your influence of course goes, goes uh, so broad as it relates to this plant. And you, we have, we have a, a saying around here, we, we like to quote Jack Herrer oftentimes, and, and, and as do you, and as we, we look at the inspiration for your website, hempcanchangetheworld.com, of course, the famous Jack Herrer quote is, I'm not sure if hemp is, I'm not saying hemp is going to change the world, save the world, but it's the only thing that can, and in fact, it was our friend Dan Herrer, uh, his birthday just yesterday, 1110, um, but Tell us a little bit about the website. Tell us about what inspired you to put that website out there. And let's talk for a little bit about the ways that hemp can, in fact, help or change the world. Yeah, I mean, the website, um, the website is the, the basically bringing the vision um, to a format where people could connect and have an understanding of, of what the project entails also working on building our hemp community, the people that we believe have integrity and that we value the work that they're doing. Um, so that's another piece of that. And also really taking the time to like actually explain the carbon neutrality and the importance of having a project like that. Um, and then, yeah, and then our events that we're doing, which, you know, we're, we're thinking positive and, and hoping <laughs> we're going to start our tour on for the four seven weekend of 420 in San Francisco. And um, so, yeah, that was the, the impetus for the, the, the website. And I'm hoping people are finding a lot of value in it. And as far as Hemp can change the world, I mean, yeah, of course, what Jack said, that's, that's like one of our hopes. I believe that and mycelium are literally two of our greatest hopes on planet to save planet earth and humanity. And so, um, the book is also a call to action. I mean, I, I'm, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty radical revolutionary person. And this is my one, this is like my first, like, you know, published act of defiance. <laughs> so I'm really using it to my, to, to spread the word and as a platform for the dissemination of empowering information. That's what it's about. So 
there there are action items in the book actually like how what can we do honestly like on a daily basis how can hemp change the world hemp can change the world and you can too and there's that's like the call to action and how can how can we do that and um you know, one of the one of the big, most simple ways that we could do that is by incorporating hemp into our diet, replacing. And it, it's not a dissertation on veganism, um, but like it does feel good. To, it's very high vibe to eat plants and eat plant protein, and hemp is the high vibe food that we've been waiting for. The plant based, the high highest vibe plant based superfood out there. And so, uh, how can we incorporate that into our diet, increase our own vitality, and then how can hemp change the world like on a daily basis? What can we replace? What's one thing that we can replace in our own personal economy um, that's made with fossil fuels and replace it with hemp? How can we do that? Let's do that right now. Like these are, these are just like easy action items and really like using your dollars to vote and then being, uh, I think a lot of people feel disempowered. And so if you think about every dollar that you spend or the companies that you support or replacing one company that you support right now, um, who maybe doesn't have your same values and, and looking for a company, maybe a cannabis company who makes that same product. So those are just, I think, a, a couple of really simple and effective ways that, that everybody can use hemp to change the world right now. Well, that's a absolutely beautiful sentiment and something that we hold near and dear to our heart. And uh, I, I think we just couldn't support you more in, in, uh, in this cookbook and everything you're trying to do and what you just said. Uh, is something that we've thought about and talked about, which is bringing hemp, bringing one hemp thing into your life or replacing one thing in your life with hemp. And the di your diet, I think, as you said, is just a wonderful place to start because guess what? We eat every single day uh, multiple times. I'm thinking about it right now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and while we, we won't go too far into it right now, before we let you go, I, I know you uh, – you have a, a passion for mycology and mushrooms are such a wonderful food. They're such a wonderful organism on the planet. But uh, did it make you happy to see Oregon uh, take that step in the election last week uh, toward legalizing or creating some kind of reform around psilocybin? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I honestly, I didn't think I was going to see, I mean, I was really the, the things that I was doing on dead tour and, those times in my life, like I could have gone to prison for, for doing those things that they're, that they just voted to change in Oregon. So I'm really, really, really happy for, for, um, the fifth living kingdom and, and we should have never criminalized nature at all. So I'm, I'm really, really, really happy to see that. And, um, I just believe in freeing all plants and decriminalizing nature a, a hundred and eight percent. And I'm glad that there's a little bit more of a mainstream, somewhat of a mainstream awareness and turn to the power and the healing capacity of psychedelics, um, of psychedelics well, in general. It, it also talks about our, our state and, and local um, political processes, right? If you think about the fact that if the politicians, if the elected officials won't legalize plants and, and natural medicine and access to these materials, citizens can step up and demand it. And when you go through that, that initiative process, uh, you can achieve results. And that's what we've seen in the cannabis industry across the board, across the United States. Now, before we go, I wanted to get your take on something. You, you've been a hemp farmer. You've, um, you know, everything we just talked about with hemp foods, your love of the plant. Um, you've created body care, 
personal care products with hemp. Um, a lot of people say that the hype over hemp is over, and I think that's misplaced. Tell us a little bit just what do you see as the next steps for the hemp industry? We've seen the highs and the lows of focusing on CBD or moving and using the plant for so many different things that we've always talked about, that it can be used for. So it can, in fact, change the world. What's next for hemp? And tell us, please, that the hype is not over. (laughs) Don't believe the hype, Bob. (laughs) So I don't, I don't believe the hype is over at all. And, and actually quite to the contrary, I believe that hemp is, is um, again, becoming more part of the mainstream consciousness and that hemp is certainly, cannabis is definitely here to stay. And I think that maybe the hype is that um, the, is more around, it's kind of the industry settling a little bit in general. And, you know, we're finding people, people who are like, I tried that and that was terrible and it didn't do anything for me and they're buying it at a gas station. And so maybe, maybe what's happening is that we're going to settle into the industry a little more and that we're going to have more companies with integrity that show up for the plant and that are doing the right thing and bringing really good products. And I think that, I mean, cannabis is the healing of our nation as a goddess mother. And I, and I think that, that this awareness right now is, is only going to keep vibrating and, and only at a higher level. We could not agree with you more. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening. For anybody out there who wants to learn more or purchase this wonderful cookbook, go to hempcanchangetheworld.com. And we can't wait to have you on again to uh, continue this conversation on culinary aspects of hemp and cannabis and maybe a, a deeper dive next time on mycology and the future of psychedelics or something more in that vein. But uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hoban Minute. Do you have any ideas for episode topics or guests? We would like to hear from you. Reach out to us at media at hoban.law and stay tuned for more on the Hoban Minute.